0: Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake, you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. It is the last Sunday in old school, so I figured I'd break a little tag team out for a tag team, but no, I'm kidding, I won't do that. Any, anybody, where are my rappers at? Who remembers Crisscross? Cross? Remember Crisscross? Cross? Okay, my pants are on straight today, all right. How many, come on, how many used to, used to put them on backwards, did you, any of you? Yeah, yeah, all right, sweet, sweet. We've got some new new crisscross, and uh, they were one of my favorite bands, you know, I listen to the old school stuff, and as I listen to it, I'm going, what was I listening to? Like, my first car was a 76 Buick Skylark, it was puke green, and on the inside of the car, generations younger than me, they had this thing called AM FM radios. And, and crank windows, you know. When I do this, like, I'll say to Isaac, hey, can you roll down the He's Like, why are you doing that? Is there anybody here that knows why I'm doing that? Yeah, okay. You guys are old. And uh, the, the, so the car, though, and I, I wanted to impress my girlfriend, who I, I must have. And uh, <laughs> I had, I decided to soup it up a little bit. So we got these Blah Punk speakers, we made holes in the doors, we put them in there. and uh, And then, Because the new radio systems were too big, you couldn't actually put it with the AM, FM, you know, radio. Actually, it was just AM on mine. There wasn't even FM yet. And so we had to put it in the glove box. And so put it in the glove box, wired it the right way, and I'd pick her up like I was just super cool. But the best thing, and how many of you guys who are older missed this? How many missed that front row seat where you could put your arm around your sweetheart? Come on, somebody. Why did they, what did they do away with that? You know, I'm old school. And how many of you are older like me, and you remember when the brights, You didn't do this for the Brights, you did this for your Brights. Yeah? Why did they take that away? Does anyone else miss that? We're going to sign a petition. I love that. My kid, Jaycee, I told JC that. You know, my daughter who's uh, driving, she's like, what are you talking about? And so I guess I'm a little bit old school. So it's been a fun series. We're concluding the series today and we're entering a series for summer called Crazy Love. And uh, it has nothing to do with with, uh, intimacy other than with the Father. And we're going to unpack that. We're going to look at the book of Hosea the next few weeks. And so it's going to be just awesome. Don't miss out. Uh, if you're up at the cabin during the summer, we get like three months of summer. I get it. Um, so make sure you join us on Facebook Live. If you have to be here, you know, serving, be here. If you can't, find somebody to replace for you. Um, continue being faithful. We just have a faithful church. And I just want to say thank you. Even today, all of our volunteers were here ready to go early. And if you volunteer in the church, can we just give a huge thanks this morning for everybody who does? Because it's so many. So there was this man, and this man, he lived out in California, and the man, he wanted to, uh, you know, have a good relationship with God, and he had a great relationship with God, and so he was praying, and he said, Lord, um, you know, what would you grant me while I pray with you? And, and the Lord said to the man, he said, I will give you whatever you want. Whatever you ask for under, under heaven, I'll give to you. And so the man's really excited. He's like, here's the deal. I want any time for you to create a bridge for me to go from California all the way to Hawaii, And and he's like, you know, God's going, that's like the most materialistic, you know, thing ever. And God's going, really? And he's going, you're going to have to, you know, build big, you know, uh, footings that have to go way down. It's going to take all this cement and all this. And it's just, you just want this for you. And that's that's really selfish. And I just, I don't even know that, you know, I can do this. And God's just telling him this. And finally the guy, you know, has a good relationship with God. and, And the guy just says to God, he's like, or God says to him, do you have something else you want to pray for? And finally the man's like, you know what? I do. And the man says, I, I want to pray that I can understand women. And, uh, and God's like, okay. And, and he says, I want to understand women. I want to know why they, why they give me the silent treatment. Or if I ask them how they're doing, why they just say, okay, or fine. Even when I really know that's not what it means, but I don't really know what it means. And God just turns to him and says, how many lanes would you like that road? So I'll just leave it there. I want to ask you this morning a question. If, if I were to say zero to 10, and you would say, where's your prayer life at from zero to 10? Zero being, I don't have one, and 10 being like, I'm the, I'm the poster child for prayer, okay? And uh, I, I can tell you I'm somewhere in between, and I want to encourage you, it's an old school thought called prayer. We don't talk about prayer a lot. You know, it gets pushed to the side, and I heard people say, well, we've done everything else, we might as well pray. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is like the foundation of who we are. Prayer is, is this thing, and I think prayer gets this negative connotation. We're going to talk about this this morning. We're going to unpack this a little bit, but I don't want you to check out with me yet. If, if, you, if you are sitting there and the pastor starts talking about prayer, and you're going, you know, I heard messages on prayer. I guarantee you've never heard a message like this on prayer today. And, and I pray that this would change your view set or your mind on what prayer actually is. Even this week, I've got to talk to a lot of prayer warriors, people that want to be here after service praying for you, people that want to, they're praying before service for you, people that are praying for needs. Like God is doing a prayer movement right now within our church. and. That's happening after this has all been planned, and so it's just cool to see how God's orchestrating and wording and doing all of this. So here's what I want to do. I want to unpack a lot this morning. I want to give you a ton. I'm going to give you a lot of content, so if you'd like to take notes, you're going to want to. Otherwise, you can go back and watch it on Facebook. So if you're with me, say, uh-huh. uh-huh. Sweet, let's go. Mark chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Okay, there's a dude named Jairus. Everybody say, Jairus. Jairus, he pleaded earnestly with Jesus or with him. He said this, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. Okay, so here's what's happening. Here's what's taking place. So this guy is a synagogue leader, a Jewish leader in the area. He comes up to Jesus. He knows Jesus is performing all these miracles. He's like, Jesus, I need you to come to my house and heal my daughter. She's dying. And so Jesus gets with Jairus and there's other people around and they start walking through the town. Well, Jairus heard about Jesus and knew what he was doing was real. How many know when we pray, God shows up and he shows off? How many know that? When God wants to, when we invite him, he's already here in our midst. We just have to say, God, we want you to show up. We want you to show off. And that's what happened. Jairus says, I want you to come do this. I want you to to heal my daughter. I know you can do it. I know you can do anything. You're the king of kings. And so they start going. And what happens on the way to Jairus' house is, is something unbelievably painful and hurtful and, and probably, even Jairus, I would bet to believe, thought almost demonic. And here's what took place. There was a lady who had this issue of blood and on their way to the house to heal the daughter, this woman with the issue of the blood, she had faith, she reached out to Jesus, grabbed the, you know, the, the edge of his robe and held on to it, some versions say the, the hem of his garment, and she held on to it. And because of that, her faith made her well. She was healed. Well, Jesus stopped to take time to heal her on the way to Jairus' house. In this time we don't know how long this time frame is, we don't know how long he spent with her. We don't have those details, but within this time something really major happened at Jairus' house. Now I want you to catch this this morning. I want you to put yourself in this context. Maybe it's not a daughter, but maybe it's a situation that you've been through. Look what we read next. So after this, verse 35. Well, Jesus was still speaking. Some people, so he's speaking with the lady. Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead. Why bother him anymore? It's done. God can't do a miracle now. It's over. It's done. What, why, even, why even bother him? Jairus is going, I, I thought my prayer would be answered. I thought my prayer would be you know, answered the way I wanted it to be answered. I thought this was all going to go well. He's the, he's the healer. He's the king of kings. Come on, somebody who can relate to Jairus this morning. We pray that, and it doesn't happen the way we think. It seems like our prayer is unanswered. And what hap- We get hurt. Man, we get hurt. We're going, God, where where are you in my situation? Why are you allowing this to happen? If you're in Jarrah's shoes, man, you're like, what the heck just happened, man? Like, aren't you God? You can do this. You can bring healing, and you're just letting this happen? Oh, I'd be so mad with Jesus. I would have been so mad. And I can't imagine his heart just sank, and he's probably feeling just desperate, like going, "What, what in the world? You see, if a prayer request sometimes is wrong, God says, No. I don't like when God says no. Anybody? No. Okay. But if that prayer request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. Okay. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you're right, God says go. Okay. God's delays in prayer are not necessarily denials. Okay. Okay. God says either no, slow, grow, or go. And so realize that we don't understand the way he works all the time. You know, if we, th- if we thought we could understand God completely, we'd be a little bit arrogant, you know? Yeah, we can't, we just can't, we can't fathom everything about who God is, okay? Prayer, prayer is this funky word, and I got I'm just being real with you this morning, like usual, when I hear the word prayer, I check out. I check out, I check out. I think of like religious garbage. I think of lifeless, boring, stagnant, a prayer meeting, all of that. You know, there's this ongoing joke, and and I've seen this in ministry for 20 years, where someone will come to the pastor and say, pastor, we got to have a prayer meeting. We got to have a prayer night where we all get together and pray. And when I was young and stupid, and I still am, I'd be like, let's go, let's do it. And we'd open up the church, and we'd have it all ready, and you know, we, we, we'd make sacrifices to be there, and it was just usually me and Jesus saying out. No. I'm going, what's going on? And I think it's because we don't understand the concept of what prayer actually is, what it does. I think we think it's this lifeless thing that we got to do, or we think we just show up and pray for a bunch of needs, and that's it. And it, it's so much more vast and massive than we can actually possibly think or imagine. And so here's what I want to do this morning. Is it okay if we break some religious myths on prayer? If you're with me, say yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Now, To break this, I can't give you anything in the Bible because there's nothing in the Bible on it. So you're just going to have to look or or search if you want. But here are some religious myths on prayer. So we're going to just annihilate and attack the living snot out of these today, okay? Here's the first one. Not one place in Scripture does it say to close your eyes when you pray. Did you know that? How many of you close your eyes when you pray? I do. I do. It's just this natural thing. Not one place in the Bible does it say that. Nowhere. 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 For some reason we feel ashamed or it's this quiet thing or it's this peaceful thing. And and not one place, you won't see it in Scripture. There is nothing in Scripture that says, close your eyes when you pray. Well, Pastor Chris, my tradition says, yeah, well, your tradition's wrong. Did Pastor Chris say that? I did, because it ain't in the Bible. And I'm going to go back to the Bible and what that says, even when I'm wrong. Can I hear good amen this morning, somebody? All right, all right. So that's one of the myths. The second myth is not one time does it say, how long each prayer your prayer should be. Well, how many of you ever felt guilty for not praying long enough? Man, pastor must pray for like hours a day. He must just have this incredible, man, he, he's like 18 inches higher than us right now. He must have an incredible prayer life. Dude, my prayer life sucks sometimes. Okay? The higher you put me on a pedestal, the further I have to fall. And I don't like falling. Our prayer life when I first became a Christian, I remember going, man, these people must pray for hours on end. And, and I met, you met those super Christians. Some of you maybe are those super, where you're like, I just, I like to get my prayer closet and you have this gift of intercessory. Ain't not everybody got that. Not all of us can go into a prayer class and pray for two hours straight. Now I've gotten a little further, you know, but nowhere in the Bible does it say the length of your prayer will determine your Christianity. Not one place. Not one place. So Guilt free. I want prayer to be guilt free for you. It's an incredible thing. All it is is a conversation with God. Just convos with the creator. Just think of it like that. It's convos with the creator. Not one place, I'm going to frustrate some of you right now. You're welcome. Not one place does it say, speak quietly, softly, monotone, or address God if he was from England. Not one place in the Bible. Could you imagine, you know, dear Heathereth, I loveth you so mucheth. I would love to take you with and go out on a with. Will you go with thine? That's what the people of the world think of us. Crazy. God's not English, okay? He's, he's not even Hebrew. He's God. He is who he'll be. That's who he is, okay? That's, the, that's a, it's a religious myth. You know, we need to pray like we actually mean it, okay? Have guilt-free prayer and start breaking those religious habits and make... You make real biblical ones, okay? Not one time in the Bible does it tell us to repeat words in a prayer. Did you know that? Not one time. But wait a second, Pastor Chris. What about the Lord's Prayer? I'm glad you asked. We're going to unpack that this morning, okay? Here's what it says, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. I love the specifics right there. <laughs> doesn't matter where you're praying. Well, I'm not at the church. Who cares? You're at a certain place. Are you ever in your life at a certain place? Are you ever not at a certain place? There's humor in the Bible, man. You got to see it. It's awesome. He's at a certain place. I love that. You know, he's at Jimmy John's. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. What did he say? Teach us how to pray, not what to pray. It's a big difference. And so he goes on to say, in Luke and Mark and Matthew he unpacks the Lord's prayer and he says this is how to pray this is how and so think about it like this you might say well wait a second cuz some of this this is going to like be really hard if you're a traditional person or you grew up in the church where you had to come together and you know I, the pastor would say peace be with you and you would say and you know yeah what is that okay and then you know we we'd go and we go to these places where um you know we recite the Lord's prayer at funerals and weddings sometimes we do and i want it to have meaning and substance What happens when we start repeating it? It becomes religious garbage. It doesn't matter, okay? Even praying before meals, I don't pray before every meal. Do you know why? Because I don't want it to become something religious. I have to do all the time. I want it to be so grateful in my heart for who God is that it's a prayer. God, thank you so much for this food. Sometimes that's as short as my prayer. Other times it's like, man, we gotta really just sit down. We just gotta have an intercession, pray in the spirit moment right now. There's different moments on different occasions, in certain places, okay? So Jesus gave them topics to pray through the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't a means to an end. In fact, the disciples, think of it like this, the disciples came from a Jewish background. They would have already known what to pray. They would have already known that. And so when they came to Jesus, they weren't saying, Jesus, give us some more religious stuff. No, they saw the intimacy that John had, and they're going, we want that. That looks different. There's something, diff- there's something real and genuine about that prayer. There's something heartfelt about it. There's something spirit-led about it. There's something that's so different that I want. Anybody here want that? I want that. I want that prayer life. You know, so Jesus gave him that. You see, there's a danger in repeating something over and over and over again. I even hesitate sometimes when we do communion even once a month because I don't ever want it to become a religious thing. Oh, I gotta do communion. I, I guess I'm a Christian. You know, have I been good enough this week to take the cup? Have I been... Jesus says do it all the time do it even when we meet do it with your family do it when you're by yourself it's communion it means community so here's what I want to give you this morning I want to give you seven topics that Jesus brings up in the Lord's Prayer here we go we're going to unpack these and I got a lot of content so I want you to stay with me if you buckle up and are you with me say yeah here we go all right number one is this take it personally take it personally if prayer is not personal it's not prayer Take it personally. How does the Lord's Prayer start? Our our Father. How many times have we read that we don't even think what we're saying? I have. Maybe not you, just me. Okay? But our Father, you know, don't even get into the rest of it yet. We'll get there. But our Father, it's not, Oh, great and holy one! I bow before. No! This is not the Wizard of Oz. This is real life. Okay? The man behind the curtain that I can't see. There he is. That's who I'm trying to pray. That's I better pray big enough and long enough to get there. Now it's personal. Our Father, my Father, who loves me and thinks the best of me and thinks the best of you and wants a relationship with you, and he's going, make it personal. My Father, our Father, our Father. That's how it starts. I love that. It's so personal. You know, I used to see God, and maybe you're like me. I, I grew up where I feel like I had to perform all the time. I had to earn it. I still struggle with that from time to time. Anybody feel like, man, I got to do it. I got to do something to earn it. I got to be good enough. I'm not quite good enough. I got to get there. I got to get there. You know, and and it becomes a drug. Performance becomes a drug. And I used to think, if I get good enough, I'll see God a little bit closer. I'll see him a little bit closer. But I always thought God was like on some mountaintop way far away, like he set everything up and he took off. So not true. He's right here, right now, within our midst all the time, wanting this to be personable see once we've established that relationship God gives us the next part he tells us to honor so the second part is he's the name above come on if you know it he's the name above all names so our father hallowed be thy name is the traditional way hallowed be thy name you know I said that for 30 years until I knew what it meant did God care about that prayer Oh, he cared about me He cared about me. He cares about you. Hallowed be thy name. What are we saying there? What you're literally saying is there's no other name. In other words, God, your name is perfect. I can't depend on my name. I can no longer depend on the Jewish law. I can no longer depend on animal sacrifice. I can only depend on you. It's only your name that saves me. That's it. You're the name above all names. I made it personable. Now I'm going to honor you, Lord. I'm going to honor you. Okay? I'm going to lift your name up on high. That's what we did this morning. We worshiped Jesus. Okay? Proverbs 18.10, it says, the name of the Lord is like a strong tower. The righteous person runs into it and is set safely on high. What does righteous mean? It just means you're in right standing with God. Well, How do you get in right standing with God? It's simply through Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, you're in right standing with God, okay? Third, after hallowed by the name, after personable, after honor, then his way is what? The, who agrees with that this morning? If not yet, pray that you figure it out before he shows you. Because he will show you. His way is the best way. We go on and we say, and this is my favorite part of the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Well, what does this do? This is my favorite part because what it does, it makes us farsighted. It makes us forget about our personal situation. It shows us the future, It shows us the vision. It shows us it's bigger than just our little bubble. It's bigger than our little church. It's bigger than our little town. What God is doing is global. It's huge. And we're a part of that. We get to be a part of that. There were uh, skiers in 1988. Anyone around in 1988 with me? A few of you? Graduated in 1988. I was was nine years old. And uh, there there was this program that year with the Winter Olympics. And they had never done this before. And they had a, uh, a TV, you know, just a little blurp in between the, the skiing, and they were actually training blind slalom skiers. Crazy. I mean, just think about that. That sounds insane, you know, and what they would do is they would train off of the course on flat ground first, and they would have skiers that could see on their right and on their left, and they would tell them where the turns were. They would yell out, left, right, left, where, where to go down the slalom. And Finally, they got the courage to go up to the hill and during the race, the other racers would actually race next to them and they would shout it out, left, right, left, right. And they actually, they did this. I mean, it's just crazy to me. But I look at that and I go, how cool is that? Because if we were blinded to our own will and only saw God's will, how would it change our lives? It would totally change it. If we were only focused on what he had. I mean, either, think of it like this. Unless we trust in his kingdom come, there's a difference between either trust and if we don't trust in him, I hate to say this, but the other side is catastrophe. How do I know this? I've lived this. I know what it's like not to live a surrendered life to Christ, man. I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever, I lived, you know, 16 years, 17 years of my life like that. When I got to know Jesus, man, he has the best for you. He really does. He really does. You see, after honoring God and then after Putting his agenda first. Then we get to actually finally ask him for our needs. Now, let's be really clear about something here today. Okay? I was about to open up service today and say, welcome to the I Don't Open a Cabin support group, okay? This this uh, weekend. We have a lot of people at cabins this weekend. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But how many know as Americans it's harder for us to discern need versus want? It's really difficult. Because we live in the wealthiest culture ever on planet Earth. I mean, we live, we have things that we never even dreamed we'd have. It's, it's incredible what God has, how God has blessed us, which is great, okay? But what I want to discern and what I think what happens, and, and this is my own belief, is because it's almost like we have everything. We don't have to worry where our food comes from tomorrow. We don't have to worry about a house over our, our you know, over our head. If we did, I wonder how our prayer life would change, I wonder how our pro-life would change. Our dependence on God would change because we'd actually have to have it. We'd actually have to have it daily, constantly. We would need him. You know, a few years ago, a buddy of mine came over. We were getting ready to go fishing. Let me know if you've ever had a day like this. And uh, Saturday morning, he comes over. We hook up the little 14-foot boat, little five-horse motor onto the back of the minivan, and we're getting ready to go. And I'm going down the driveway, turn the right on my street, and if you know where my driveway is, it goes down quite a ways, and we take a right, and all of a sudden, the wheel bearings freeze up. They just seize, and it's like, dick, 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 it's awful, awful. So I go back and I look, and I'm going, I know how to repack bearings. Let's take off the hub. Let's repack it. It was a package deal. You can't repack it. You have to buy a whole new hub. I don't have the hub, and I'm I'm just like mad. I'm like, I just want to go fishing. It's been a crazy week, and so I'm like, forget it. What's better than fishing? Eating, right? So we uh, we decided, let's let's go to Carol's, because it was Saturday morning. I don't know if you've been to Carol's in Ham Lake, man, but they make like these caramel rolls that are to die for. And so I'm like, let's go get a caramel roll. He had never had one before, so we pull up, and we we order a caramel roll. We're sitting out on the patio, and I I asked the waitress, can I get a caramel roll? And she's like, I'm sorry, we're all out. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Ah! And finally, I said, they have have these things called lemon ricotta pancakes. Hallelujah! And, And I'm like, I'll get your lemon ricotta pancake. She like backs away like thinking I'm going to like, you know, slap her. I'm like, they're out of him too, aren't you? And she's like, yeah. And I was sitting there and I was so frustrated. I was just having my own little pity party with my best friend who wasn't joining my party. And and he just said to me, he's like, Chris, first world problem. How many need those people in your life to speak truth into you from time to time? I love him. He's my best friend. Been my accountability partner since I was 16. Got saved a week apart. And he was right. I mean, that wasn't a need. That was a want. That was a want. And it just changed my perspective. Number four. Everybody say fresh bread. Fresh bread. Have you ever smelt just the, the aroma of fresh baked bread? You know, those of you that can't eat gluten, how, you just like, you like it even more because you want it so bad. You know, like, you're just like, oh, you just go by a bakery and it's like, just smells amazing. Now, how many of you have teenagers? ever have a home lunch that they didn't get eaten or unpacked for a few weeks, months? They brought it at the beginning of the year, you found it at the end of the year? How does that smell? It's never happened in our house, by the way. Um, you take it out and you're like, what is this? And it's like, it looks like a science experiment that they brought home from chemistry. It doesn't smell the same, does it? That's not fresh bread. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a non-miracle miracle. You see, it's about God's presence and provision daily in all areas of our lives, not just a one-time deal. Well, I prayed, I did my thing. No, it's an ongoing relationship. See, faith, when it comes, it comes by looking at God, not at the mountain in front of you. That's not faith, that's worry, okay? You can have faith or fear, you can't have both. Changes our perspective in other words, when we realize that God is our sustenance every single day, our, our fresh bread, not our moldy teenager bread, okay? It basically says, God, I really wanted to go fishing. I really wanted that common But you know what, God? I'm grateful today that I have breath in my lungs. I'm grateful today that I have kids that are healthy. I'm grateful today I get to serve a phenomenal church. I'm grateful today that I have a great wife. You know, I'm grateful today I have a car that gets me from point A to point B, usually, it changes our perspective. Bread gets stale and spoils if it's not eaten daily. Did you catch that? Is that do I have to unpack that, or you got it? You got it. You need fresh bread daily. After all this so far, God leads us in prayer to I think what is the most critical issue, and it's a hard issue that I like to call number five: shock value. It's like shock and awe tactics of God. This is it. We've personalized it. We've honored Him. We've asked him for our needs, all of this. We want to see the future, you know, your will be done. And then he hits us. Now where it counts. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or transgressions, depending on what version you like. This is where God wants our heart to be right. Not because he's a mean God, because he's a kind God. He wants compassionate people to be compassionate people. Compassionate people are compassionate to other people. Hurt people end up hurting people. And so he wants our heart to be right. Psalm 139, 23. David says this, and I love this. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Ask God to keep you sensitive to sin, aware of his ways all the time. How many think we, lock that, we, we lack that shock value today? We lack it. We just kind of go through life. We, don't, we lack, we lack what, what God can do and show up. And it's like, oh my gosh. Forgiveness is so huge. It's a part of that prayer God says actually if we don't forgive, he won't forgive us. That's scary. That's a scary verse. So in other words, forgiveness is not optional for us. So we've got to let go judging, condemning. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Being offended, policing others, making sure they're doing it all just right. Once we do that, we'll find our purpose. We'll find our purpose. Number six, fighting words. Everybody say, fighting words. Fighting words. Oh, say it like you mean it. Come on, Fighting words. How many of you like the little prayer and you just pray, Jesus, just show up and just, just do your thing, God, and we just, oh, Lord, we love you. This is like where it gets real, man. This is like real prayer. This, you ever played Street Fighter? Okay, you remember that game? This is like an all-out battle. This is an all-out war, you know? It, this is like, this is it. It's going right here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This isn't a mamsie pamsy prayer. This is like, God, don't lead me into temptation. Don't do it. I don't want to go there. And I think prayers are sometimes we think they're dreamy and they're pleasant. But this is an all-out street fight going, God, I'm after you. Protect me from the Satan. Protect me from the enemy because I'm following you. You with me this morning? You wake? I think it gets overlooked. You know, this is a traditional phrase that gets missed in the Greek text. It's more like, God, don't lead me into temptation, Okay? No, not, don't, God will never lead us into temptation, but don't lead, don't let me be led into temptation. When's the last time you had one of those kind of prayers? Just an all-out fighting prayer. Like, I mean, almost like righteous anger. Like, God, I want this so bad, and I want to honor you so bad. I want to love you so much. I mean, just like, you're like, God, I am going to cling to this like I've never clung to anything before. I dare you to have that kind of prayer this week. Let me give you the last one. I'm going to invite Darcy up to come play behind me here as we bring this to a close. Happy endings, number seven. Who likes a happy ending? Who likes endings like the movie Inception where you don't know what happened? My wife hates those, hates them. She's like, I want closure. She sees Christopher Nolan and she runs. I see Christopher Nolan and I run to him because I love his movies, you know? Happy endings happen with prayer. Let me show you this. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Who said this prayer before? You ever said this? You ever going to say it again the same way? You ever going to think of it the same way? I hope not. I hope this changes you. Now you're going to be sitting there going, I feel guilty even if I have to repeat this somewhere. Best Don't feel guilty. We're to be in the world, just not of the world. Use the prayer as God taught us. Happy endings, though. Have faith in God's ability to act. Otherwise, what is our conversation with God? It's merely words. Have faith in God's ability to act. Do you believe that God will act on your behalf? I do too. I believe with all my heart, everything in me. So do we have to say those exact words? No. It's not even how we have to construct a prayer. It's not how it matters. What, What we need is to pray from our hearts. That's what it comes down. So let me give you these last few thoughts. God finally, Jesus finally arrives at Jairus' house. Finally shows up. They're all detrimented. They're all like, my daughter's dead. It's over. It's gone. There is always hope with Jesus. Always. Look what it says right here. 41 and 42 verses. He took her by the hand and said to her, these cool words, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. If I say him, I'm going to destroy him. Immediately, the girl stood up and begin to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I'm sorry, is that the same Jesus we serve today or is that a different one? It's the same Jesus that we serve today. There's always hope. There's always hope. Was it in the right timing for Jairus? No. The the worst thing possibly happened in his whole life and he had to wait out till they got to that home. He shows up with Jesus and Jesus goes in and there's other verses there. He says, no, your daughter's not dead. She's just sleeping. They'll think Jesus is nuts and she comes out walking alive and healed. That's the power of prayer. That's the power of prayer. Remember how it all started? Jairus went to Jesus and had a conversation with the creator. We've got to start there. Here's what I want to give you in the last one minute that we have. I'm going to pop these out, take them with you. They're just little golden nuggets and we're going to pray. First is this. God is capable of handling any problem we could possibly bring to him. Any problem. God has the power to do anything, to change anyone, and to intervene in any circumstance. If you agree with me, say yeah. Okay. If you don't, you're wrong. Next golden nugget. God is interested in your prayers, not because you pray great prayers. But because he cares about you. He's interested in your prayers because he cares about you. Don't worry. I, oh, I didn't get it right. I didn't say the Lord's Prayer right. I forgot a part of it. I, I like this verse and I like that. No. I don't know if I could pray long enough. I Stop that. That's guilt. That's the enemy trying to attack your prayer life. It's a real thing. It's ongoing, just like you have a conversation with somebody. That's prayer with God. Third, when you finally realize you can't beat him, join him. Some of you will get that later. Some of you have been trying to beat him for a long time. He's been knocking you over the head because you're called to ministry. Or he's been knocking you over the head to to change something in a relationship. Or he's been knocking you over the head because you're doing something that's stupid. And God's going, knock, knock, pudding head. And you're going, I don't want any knock, knock, pudding head. You can either try to beat him or you won't. Just join him. It's a lot easier. It's more fun that way. Stop thinking prayer will change God. Realize it's changing you. I want to pray to change God's mind no you're praying to change your character second to last one is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire Corey Tenboom said that that's powerful that's powerful coming from her what is it is it your crutch or is it your car last thing I want to say is this keep praying but be thankful that God's answers are wiser than your prayers look at Jairus What did God do in that time? Not only did he heal his daughter, he healed a whole other lady who couldn't even go out in public. did both of them at once. At once. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.